Welcome back to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And I think maybe for the first time since we started calling this Musings on Madison, we have a full 82 NHL game season to talk about. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager here at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at SCH underscore Dave M. I've got all my usual line mates with me this evening, so let's not wait around any longer and bring them all in. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, probably just as blue for the same reasons as me. It's Shepard Price. Hi. Uh, you say that, and then it turns out that just as in 2019-20, uh, super COVID arrives and it shuts down around game 72 again. Yeah, super uh, COVID. We're, it wouldn't, yeah, we're not, we're not getting any games. Please. I've had, we had COVID and then we had Delta and Delta was worse than COVID. And I just, <laughs> I can't have anything else. I, we can't like, I, I like Delta seems like it's kind of hopefully calming down. Just stop. I know, I know it's like the Sox lost. You were there. It sucked. I'll tell you, game three was pretty cool, though. Game three was cool, but uh, game four, god damn it, nobody, nobody, nobody knew how to hit for some reason. After scoring 12 runs in game three, nobody knew how to hit. I'm gonna spend the next um I'm gonna spend the next 12 months just dreaming about what it'd be like if the White Sox knocked the Astros out of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and like that's, gonna, that's gonna sustain me. I don't know if it's I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I am going to. Dream of it. That's all I got. That was that, that ends our White Sox discussion from this podcast because we're both too sad to talk about it anymore. So let's bring in the rest of the group. Also with us this evening, he is the second city hockey, what Ben Jorgensen is to armor for sleep. It is Mill Savage. I was uh, in a car underwater, but uh, Milwaukee lost. So that fucking rules. And after watching the White Sox today, I'm a basement ghost singing. So... Yeah, that's a joke for me, you, and maybe three other people listening to this. COVID ruined my armor for sleep show because I had tickets and I still didn't end up getting to go because of the reschedule. I had the exact same thing as you. I'm very upset. We could have hung out and had a beer. Yeah, the the eleven dollar beer at the metro, and then sat <laughs> downstairs. You can't hear any guitar. It's like a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> I love all the optimism just oozing out of us this evening. It's going to be great. And so just to see where it goes next, let's bring in the last part of the group this evening. She's the second city hockey bull and wall of text. It is Betsy. Um, You guys were just talking about like maybe super COVID. And I'm like, I'm about to go to my first concert in <laughs> like forever. So I'm like, I hope I'm safe. I, I'm like double shot and I had COVID. So I, I hopefully I'm like super immune. <laughs> I think you're borderline superhero at that point. Um, but yeah, I get to go. I'm going to see Harry style. <laughs> I, my favorite part is you posted that in our Slack chat. My initial thought, which I think I put it in the chat was who. <laughs> who <is that?"> <laughs> <laughs> and my I actually, initial thought is lucky. <laughs> I know. I was like, she's the only one that's going to get this. <laughs> well, Dave, the, Dave and I are like going to see bands who haven't even toured since like 2007. So <laughs> that's, that's our fault. Exactly. <laughs> Miserable ass people. We are, we are the, we are the Statler and Waldorf of this podcast, <laughs> which is another reference for old people, which is uh, wild. Cause I'm the Muppets fan. Probably. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not a, joke, a Muppets fan. That That's a joke. My brother makes when him and I are sitting up in our usual 329, like screaming at the team. <laughs> 
Eh, soon, soon, Mel. But soon. have fun at Harry Styles, LBR. I, keep I getting, will. <laughs> I keep getting Harry Styles confused. There's a guy who works for ESPN who's, I think he's like one of the big college football guys, and his name's Harry Lyles. And I keep thinking they're the same person, and they are very much not. I'm I think just, of. Go ahead. I was saying when I hear Harry, I just think of Harry Kane and I get scared. I don't know who either one of those people you just said was. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why I, um, I'm just excited because I've been to like Ariana and Tay Swift and everybody's concert. And there's always like screaming teenagers there. And I'm going to be in a box um, for this concert. So I'm excited that I Ooh. will have like a special bar. And High I'm, roller. Oh, man. No, no. Uh, I got them through work. <laughs> Ooh. So that's free. Still, that's still pretty cool. Um, I won like the ticket draw. So I was like, oh. yeah. So hopefully not only will I be at least a little bit more protected because I'll be in like a box and not with swarming masses. I mean, there will still be obviously people other than me and the two friends that get to come with me. Um, but also free bar, you know, bar like on that section. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That kind Go of, on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, and you, there's a, you know, they all have their own like bathrooms. You don't have to like, <laughs> That's oh. a weird thing to like, but yeah. it's obviously. See, like, the problem is you're going to enjoy this experience too much, and you're never going to be able to go back. Well, to, to being among the peasants. Sometimes, like when I go to hockey games in other cities, I try to get box seats instead because I hate waiting in lines um, for anything. <laughs> I just have a very I don't like lines. I think we've gone over this before, but <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> Dude, I got spoiled. Like I went to three wrestling shows with really good seats, and my next two are super nosebleedy, and I'm like, oh man, but what can you do? Hey, the last show you I think you saw was at the United Center where the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be playing 41 of their 82 games this year. So <laughs> you guys want to talk about some hockey? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by great, the way, segue. Segway season. That Here we go. Is like a spaceship. <laughs> I never sat downstairs since they put it in. And I was I was five rows behind where the visitor bench is, but obviously it's different setup. And I looked up and I was like, holy God, is that gonna fall and kill us? <laughs> it's too big. Uh, well, um, just make sure you're not sitting too close then, I guess. just, just I guess you guys can request on. charts on it. <laughs> so, hey, uh, so uh, the 2021-2022 Blackhawks, which is never not going to be impossible to say, uh, but their season gets started Wednesday night. They're playing the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado, where I think it's fucking snowing right now. Uh, so, so that's going to be fun. So it's definitely a hockey season because it's snowing in part of the United States. Um <laughs> I don't really have anything specific to ask you guys because we've, we've talked about this in Slack. We've had all our previews up at secondcityhockey.com. Um, I, I guess the, just the general thing I want to, to attack this evening, and we'll, we'll start with Shepard. Uh, just what are you expecting from the Blackhawks this season? New. Because we're doing like one word, right? My word <laughs> well, is It doesn't new. have to be one word, um, but. One words if if new news news a good word, because uh, they they have a new number one defenseman, they have a new number one goaltender, they have a new well returning, but compared to twenty twenty one, he's a new first line center. Um, okay. I'm I'm still I'm still referring to the Jonathan Taves line as the first line because I I, I fully expect that to be the line that gets the first line matchups, um, so that the Kane to bring Cat duo can exploit whatever weaknesses another team has. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna look new. It's gonna hopefully be a little bit new. There'll probably be a 
new interim head coach halfway through the season. Uh, <laughs> I'm fully expecting. <laughs> I'm fully expecting new, 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 new. New interim. That's. I. I was. I really wish I should have timed it to see how long it was going to take for that to happen. And actually, this this actually brings me to one, one thing that I a kind of an optimistic thing I have related to that. So. I think like because of all the things you mentioned, Jeopard, that there's so many new things with the Blackhawks this year, it does feel like expectations are significantly higher, that they're not expecting to miss the playoffs again. And if they are, there's going to be repercussions. And I feel like if we get to like Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas, and they're not competitive, he's getting fired and there will be a new coach. So I think the, the optimistic take that I can offer you is that, if they're playing well, they don't fire the coach because they're playing well, which is good. And if they're playing bad, they fire the coach and maybe things turn around. I'm just bummed out because Rocky, Rocky Thompson is magically un, unable to get the, <laughs> See, the I tried uh, to vaccine. Bring the positivity. He's unable, he's unable to get the vaccine, so it can't be Rocky Thompson this season. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, well, I, I feel like it's just going to be Mark Crawford. But, but I, I, I guess um, – I'm tired of old white men, uh, <laughs> considering the fact that Tony well, they got a young white man. And he didn't do much. Better, I know, so. but just, <laughs> you just, got me just considering, Phil. just considering the fact that Tony Larusa just lost us the series, I'm, t- I'm kind of tired of old white men. Well, he's not a man; he's a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good word for it. Um, Betsy, what about you? What, what are you expecting out of the Blackhawks this season? Well, wild card is a great. One word, because okay. not only do I think that might be where they finish, but they could go any direction. Um, I think they did. Ooh, I it's... think the personnel is better um, this year than they have been. I don't think it's like the best it could be, mostly because I think players like Kurashev, who are going to, I think, going to be big for the Hawks. He might not be like at his, like, he's so young. He might not be there yet. Or Doc, I don't think he's going to be at his, like, elite top level necessarily this year though both of them will take steps towards it kind of situation um but yeah I think that it's hard to hard to predict what's going to happen with them and I think it could go any way I think like Shay said there could be a coach change in the middle of the season it could be a wild season who knows what's going to happen um my worst fear though is that like last year goaltending like mirages everybody into thinking the team is good when it's not i i want like concrete definitive steps taken at the team level not just an individual player level um but that you know it could happen i mean the players could be good despite the coach i don't know what does that look like for you like the improvement at the team level because i feel like that's something that we we <clears> talked <throat> about and i think we all know what we each other means but I don't know if people who aren't the four of us knows what that means. So what do you mean by that when you say improvement at the team level? So last year, of course, they were terrible at suppressing, um, preventing quality shots against specifically. They weren't good at volume shot suppression either, but you can get away with that a little bit if you can at least keep quality down. But they were like the worst team last year in certain models that like rate that kind of stuff. So defensively they're they're not good and you can't go far if you're not at least break even defensively like there have been teams that have won the cup that are like just okay defensively but then their offense is so good that they can push them further the Blackhawks 
could have a good enough offense. I think there's a lot of players on the team that could break, you know, do very well, but if their defense doesn't come up, they need to, it's just not going to happen. So at a team level, cohesively, all of them have to do better with puck possession and limiting quality chances against. Those are the two things that they just have to do better. And it can't be an individual, this player does these things well, but if it doesn't go into the team and doesn't help at as a unit, then it doesn't really matter eventually, you know? Mill, mm-hmm. what about you? What are you uh, expecting out of the 21-22 Blackhawks? Uh, I think they're going to be riding a pretty fine line the whole year of kind of will they, won't they make the playoffs because like there's definitely enough talent there to do it, but they have a lot of holes. So it's, it's going to be one of those things, but instead of like last year at the deadline where they kind of were sellers, I think they're going to be more in that buying mark. I don't know what they can buy, but I think that that's what they're going to be looking to do. And I, I guess with the, I guess the idea of like buying at the trade deadline, I've been trying, I've been thinking about this a lot today, trying to put a, a ceiling on how, or a cap on how high the ceiling is for this team, because like, I, 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 they're certainly capable of being a playoff team. I, I, I think everyone can agree to that. Like they have the ability to be a playoff team based off the players they have. There's a significantly higher ceiling than there was last season uh, after Taze and Doc went down, the whole thing kind of went to shit. So I, I guess that would be my question for you, Mills. Do you have an idea of how, like, optimistic best case, like the farthest you could see this team going? I mean, I think it'd be a wild card scenario just because when you have to play the teams in their division, even if it's only three, four times, whatever it is now, three times, uh, they have problems competing with some of these teams based on just suppressing shots and like team, even like a Nashville who I think is going to blow can outskate them. Uh, and then if you get into the first round in either wild card, you got to, you're probably going to have to play Vegas or Colorado. So to me, I think that's good night. It's probably the farthest they can go <laughs> um, unless they could do a few different things. Obviously we talk about the coaching, but they do need like a couple of different players for me too. I think they could really use, they're not going to get them, but they could use a Mark stone type of player, you know, well, I, I think I type. think 31 teams in the NHL could probably use a guy like that. Well, well, the reason I say that is because they're not going to be able to run Taves two ways like that. He's either going to have to score or he's going to have to play defense. And I, I don't know which one Colleton's going to want him to do, but I have a feeling he's going to want him out there scoring. Yeah, but he doesn't use a okay. My one thing that I want Colleton to do that he has not done super well with like over the years, and it might be personnel that he just couldn't do it. I don't think that's true, but yeah, maybe that's his mindset. Have a checking line. <laughs> it actually well, checks. Yeah, no, and, I totally agree. I agree. <laughs> um, that would help. Um, I know Shay said earlier, like Taves will be taking higher matchups. Colleton doesn't dictate that usually. Like he kind of just lets the other coach do it. So who are they going to face more? Like it's probably going, it might be Kane more. Like it depends on how um, dangerous Taves Kubelik end up being, which I think they will be. But even in this season when they were together and Kane was on another line, Kane still technically got, Taves got the highest, but then it was Kane. And then Kubelik was actually a lot farther down um, in terms of quality comp. So I don't know what, how he's going to roll his lines, but have a shutdown line. It's, they have the players to do it. 
No, I totally agree. And I said that today in my piece about the bottom six, how they have guys, but they just don't do it. But I think my perspective wasn't more of matching lines, but something Colleton does seem to do is like, if they can tilt the ice and they're going down, okay, we're going to the offensive zone. He's going to make a change. He's thinking, oh, well, I'm going to throw these guys out. It's just kind of his weird mindset, you know? And I don't get it because it's like, if the matchup's not there, then what are you doing? But, you know, what do I know? (laughs) What do any of us know, Mel? Uh, Good question. Maybe we should re-listen to all these podcasts one day. (laughs) Don't. That sounds like a bad idea. I guess... Uh, I, I guess the thought, like, to build off of what you guys are talking about with, like, the forward lineup, like, I think one of you said, like, they, they have the personnel to have a pretty good forward group. I mean, if you make, you know, your top line, the way it's looking is going to be Taves, Kubalik, and Kurashev. Second line is going to be Johnson, Kane, it. And then this, like, it's how you arrange the third and fourth line. If Like, if you put Doc with two offensively geared guys and try and score goals, and then your fourth line's like, I don't know, Carpenter, Kara, and and Twistle, maybe? I don't know. I don't know which whatever fourth line guy, what whatever fourth liner you want here, but that's I think that's the general idea. Cause that's when when the Hawks were at their best. And it what seems like a lot of good teams do in the NHL these days is they make three scoring lines and one checking line. And just and, and that's how you uh, do everything. The checking line gets all defensive looks. And I don't I just I don't know how optimistic I am that that's actually going to happen. Yeah, but to your, to ahead, your no. point, Dave, uh, too, like that's a good point because if they had that kind of line set up and coaches are worrying about the Taves and Kane lines and then you have that checking line out there, the dock line can basically go bum slay. And actually, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm going to swing this around back to Shepard uh, because I feel like Kirby Dock is probably the most important player for the Hawks this year. And I think that's not, it's like a short-term and long-term thing because if Kirby Doc turns into what uh, what we all hope he can be, like his spot, like he could really solidify that third line or maybe he bumps up to the second line and plays with uh, Kane and Dabrinkin on his wings and then that just further solidifies the top six and then Tyler Johnson slides down to the third line and wreaks havoc in the third line. So I guess, Shepard, the question I had for you would be just – General, like, I guess, what, what does Kirby Doc need to do to be better? Face-offs. Uh, win well, face-offs face-offs would be a good start, for sure. <laughs> uh, win more face-offs. Um, score more, I think. Be on the ice more. Uh, be healthy. Uh, be able to well, take those steps would forward. Be a great start. Yes. <laughs> uh, just be able to be able to take those forward steps and develop more. Um, to actually be able to have the opportunity to play <laughs> uh, would be a very nice uh, first step. Um, besides that, like I, a, I, I would kind of debate doc being the most important player considering that Alex Brinkhead exists, um, and probably is the future captain of the, of the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, I, um, I guess, I guess my thought would be that like, not that De, I feel like we kind of know what Debrinket is. Like I, he's going to be, he's going to be there's, awesome. There's going to be a question though, because like his shooting percentage was 20% last year. Uh, and it's not a fall. So how but, well, yeah, far that's does fair. it fall? But, yeah. Uh, it just, it seems like a, a better Kirby doc is what would solidify the depth of this team, at least yes. from a fourth he's, perspective. Right. And he's like, he is going to, as Mel said, he's going to get those lesser mass matchups, which if, if Jeremy Colleton's matching lines, finally, um, 
So, so the I'm ability, more... the ability for him and his line and whoever his line mates are, whether that's Dylan Strom or Phil Kurashev or Adam Gaudet or Henrik Borgstrom, uh, most likely Brandon Hagel, um, whoever it is, is going to be important for them to go out and like, again, score, like score at a consistent rate. It doesn't have to be like every game. That'd be nice. It doesn't have to be every, every game, but like score at a consistent rate that like helps the team. Um, and that's what I think we need to see out of Kirby Doc this season is the ability to score at a consistent rate and not uh, in his last full season where he went like, what, 20, 30 games without scoring a point? Um, we, I, I don't think you can see that this season. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm going to bring, I'm going to direct this question towards Betsy because I know she's the one that always preaches patience with younger players and try not to get too down on any guys that are, you know, doc turn he'll turn 21 on January 21st, like right in the middle of the season. So like getting too down on him at this point, in his career does seem a little pessimistic. And I don't want to say I'm down or worried about him. It's just like, I, I guess my eyebrow is raised in terms of like a little bit of doubt is creeping in because he just kind of hasn't looked like a number three overall pick when so many other guys were just immediately like the guys. So I guess Betsy, like maybe talk me out of what I'm saying or correct me if I'm wrong or, or whatever, just just your reaction to Kirby doc things. I'll say that despite there were some, there were some issues with him last season, but I think most of that was like lack of playing for so long. Um, like, and lack of getting, one wrist. <laughs> yeah. And like having to get up from that because his, a lot of his underlying stuff was great. You know, like That's his right. underlying micro stats were very good. His passing was very good. Um, his shooting wasn't, wasn't the best. Like he wasn't shooting as much. Um, but again, that could be a wrist thing, like being able to pass and, and shoot or slightly different motions for your wrist. So mm-hmm. um, he did great with forechecking. Um, his transitions into the zone and puck retrieval were great. So there, he was doing a lot of things that were good. And it reminds me a little bit of the Brincrat's down season where everybody was like, oh no, he, though he was a one hit wonder or technically it already had two seasons. Whatever. Yeah, two hit <laughs> um, uh, and people were like, maybe he, those were all like fluffed seasons, but no, he was still doing all this stuff under the surface, you know, under surface level stuff really well. So it was like, no, he's going to rebound and he's not even really going to have to change that much. He will because he's the brink and he's going to want to get even better. But I think doc <laughs> could do that too. I think okay. we just need to be patient and hope that those good behaviors ultimately end up having good results. They might not, but it looks like it could be a thing. And again, um, always going to pronounce his name wrong, but Cortier, Cotier, how do you say his name? Sean Couturier. Couturier. I'm never going to pronounce it right. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. French names, just not my thing. Give me a Russian name, even a Finnish name. I could say those fine. Um, look at his numbers. Um, a lot of, he was, he was kept at like the three, four C for a while. Um, and now he could be, he went a Selkie um, often. So and put up a bunch of points. So it's like one of those things. Just be patient. It could happen. I like, I'm very optimistic about Doc. Okay. Yeah, I, I think th- there were a few, a few rushes and a few like plays through the neutral zone that Doc made where he just kind of finagled his way around uh, a clogged up neutral zone and a few other zone entries he had that like raised an eyebrow, like, all right, like maybe, 
maybe we're going to get the Kirby doc we've all been hoping for. I think the other thing is just, we were a little bit spoiled by, you know, Taves being such an immediate impact and Kane being such an immediate impact when they were high draft picks. Um, and I, I guess like the so, Alex haven't really had any other top. Well, Boquist, um, who's dead to us now, I guess. I mean, just remember Taves stayed at college for a year and Patrick Kane was one of the oldest guys in his draft. Um, That's the other factor that I always forget. So think about yeah. Doc started a year ish before those guys um, and he was hurt when he would have had his second year breakout. That's why when he, he did that stuff in the bubble and everybody was like, oh, and everybody sat up and was like, maybe this could be it. Maybe it could have been it if he had gotten injured. So hopefully this year will be it. Fingers crossed. I guess like what, at what point, like, do, is there a good barometer to check in? I mean, like obviously like the quarter polls, 20 games into the season, but is there a specific part where if Doc was not performing where you, your concerns would start to go up or is it not even till like next season? It's not really even until next season okay. in terms of point points. Um, I think a lot, like I said, a lot of his uh, trends underneath and behaviors have to be good because otherwise there's nothing to build upon. Um, so if, if he's just out of whack completely like that, then yeah, you start to get concerned even if it's not, even if you still should wait till he's like 22, 23-ish, you know, those are the years when players really start establishing themselves um, on average. I know we're, we, yeah, you're right. We're spoiled, but <laughs> I think this could be his year. I'm just, like I said, I'm just really optimistic. I just, I'm also optimistic, but patient. Okay. <laughs> those, are my, those are my default settings right now. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to put a pause right here. Oh, because we talked a lot about forwards. We haven't really talked a lot about defense or maybe even some goalie talk. And we're going to do that after this quick timeout. So come on back on the other side of this break to hear more about all that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we wanted to talk about some of the other aspects of the Blackhawks roster that we really didn't get into in the first half of our discussion here. So, uh, the Blackhawks defense obviously had a significant makeover in the offseason with Seth Jones coming in via trade, Jake McCabe signing in as free agent. Uh, Z- Nikita Zadorov's gone, and Mill's so disappointed about that. Um, you know it. Uh, Nicholas Bodan looks like he's destined for Rockford for probably a majority of the season. Ian Mitchell is starting early because uh, of a few injuries to Caleb Jones, another new addition, and Wyatt Kalanuck. Um, but he seems like he's going to be heading back to Rockford for most of the season after those guys get healthy. And Eric Gustafson's here again, in case you missed him a ton. So um, it's it's a wildly different look. It's, it's going to be paired up a lot differently. Uh, and I just want to throw it to Mill first, I guess. Uh, any Anything that stands out to you or anything that has raised your eyebrow about the Blackhawks defense that they're expected to run out on the ice this season? I mean – this is a year where they went out and paid a guy a lot of money and they signed another guy for some decent money and they retooled and you know, you could say what you want about them as individuals, but basically the, the blame has been, it's not the system, it's the personnel. Well, you have a personnel now, so let's, we got to see how it goes. Cause I don't buy it, but that's what we're being told. And you know, that's all I'm not going to get in over my head and start a Lee Ilya rant here. Like I thought I would, but, um, <laughs> but no, seriously though. I mean, like, I don't want to go out of my way to complain, but like, even in preseason, we, you know, like I think uh, Betsy pointed out, like they weren't going behind the net as much, which is good. 
but they still were just letting, you know, rolling the red carpet out down the slot. And the so other thing I have concerns. The, the other thing that, that Betsy's pointed out to me, it's at some point during the last couple of years that I can now never unsee is that the Blackhawks never deny zone entries. They they always allow people to, the opposing rushers to skate. If they're coming up the wall and they're near the blue line, they're getting into the zone. And the, it seems like the Hawks never step up and challenge that zone entry. And it yeah, is like what does Averman say? What is this? The NBA? <laughs> Exactly. Driving to the basket. But there's like there was a uh there was a play during one of the preseason games, and I wish I had taken a gif or a video of it, but somebody had somebody was skating one on four. All his teammates were going for a line change. The Hawks had four guys back, and they still just kind of casually let the guy stroll into the zone. It's like I, I'm guessing it's a systemic thing, like that's how they are being coached because everyone's doing it, but it just, it seems like such a passive, not good way to play hockey for lack of a better word, even though I should be able to think of a better word than not good. Um, Joel would never. <laughs> Joel would never, because that's what made the Hawks so good for so long. Uh, Betsy, I guess I'll swing it over to you since we, we mentioned that. Um, just uh, like systemic issues, I'm, I'm sure in there as well, but just your overall thoughts, observations, or feelings about the Blackhawks blue line for the upcoming season. Uh. Well, on paper, I think people were kind of putting um, Jones with McCabe and they looked, again, just two games, but they didn't look good together. They were Can't very confirm. jointed. And I'm one of those people that's like, well, maybe they need time, but they looked so disjointed. I was, you know, like my gut reaction was get them away from each other. <laughs> like normally I'm all about like, yeah, that's fine. But no, they were no. And then. McCabe and Murphy looked great together. So, and Dehan and Jones looked fine together. So I'm like, maybe that can work. Um, though people need to not overreact to Dehan being on the first pairing. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see this. Um, because it's the same way that like Marion Hosa was on the first line, but Patrick Kane always got the higher minutes. So it's not really numbered. He's going to be up there, but he's not going to get like top two minutes um, if that happens. So well, you can have him with Jones too, because Jones can move. Yeah. That's what I like. I, that was one of the things I think we, we talked about last year and they were like, Shay had mentioned it in his preview. And I mentioned in my preview, Dahan has worked pretty well with a bunch of guys that can um, move that are very mobile and he can be the stay at home guy. Mm-hmm. And that, that can work really well with Jones, you know, and they just, they seem to, to just mesh a little bit better. Um, and McCabe and Murphy before the final push with the wild at the end, when they like, you know, score effects were happening, they were above water and killing it. So, um, I, I think like, McCabe I, and Murphy might be temporary because Kyle and and Murphy make a lot more sense to me. I mean, that could happen too. And I think that would be great. Um, then you could, you could have it balanced out in the three pairings. I just, I think there's a lot of options, more options this year that could make sense um, than in years past. Cause I think uh, even Caleb Jones and Stillman could move up with their skill sets in a way because they've meshed with guys before, like Stillman has worked with other, you know, other guys. And so it's, it's a nice little, like, uh, hodgepodgey thing. I don't know what Gustafson is going to do exactly for however long he's around. Um, and I've, I had already like totally sold myself on Mitchell playing in the, um, HL this season. He's only 22. Um, and I don't, I think he's like not too 
far off uh, from having turned 20, like he turns 23 in January. So that's a good, these are good ages to still be in the HL and learning. So I'm fine with that. Um, I still have like, I'm so optimistic about him. I know some people are really down on him. I don't think that's fair necessarily. Um, transitioning from the, from college to to NHL is hard, but I like, I like the personnel that they have. I think they could do well. I don't, we're, I won't go more into the system, but I think <laughs> the personnel could do well. So we'll see what happens, but I, I like them a lot more than, than I thought that I thought I would. And I think that there's more versatility to them, despite the fact that they're left he- heavy um, enough guys play on the right that I think it could work. Yeah. I was one of the, well, I, at least I felt like one of the bigger leaders of the Ian Mitchell bandwagon. Uh, I would like to speak on behalf of the bandwagon and say, we were, we were a little, maybe slightly underwhelmed by last season, but we're not, you know, the bandwagon's not broken down. We're still driving. We just might've dialed it down to first gear after trying to crank it up to third gear last year. That's all. Yes. As another <laughs> member of the Ian Mitchell bandwagon, I'm happy for him to develop and get first, like the first pair of minutes with Nicholas Bodan and Rockford. But I would like to see him play a few games in, in Chicago this season. I guess my, my, my concern with Ian Mitchell and it's not, um, it's, it's not entirely fair to him, but like I feel like this is just the way the Blackhawks have gone the last decade. Is like it feels like any guy that doesn't make an immediate impact never works out. Like like that's just like, there's and we can go down the list. There's so many guys that just kind of like hovered around the NHL level, got some games, didn't hang on, and then like the, within the next year or two they were traded away. Part of that is because of how good the roster used to be, and there wasn't many spaces available and all that. So I understand it's a different era. Trying to be more patient. So forgive me if I sometimes the patience isn't there, but I'm trying to trying to develop it. It's a new well, era. I mean, Go ahead. Look at look at Forsling right now. Like he, like first of all, he should never have when he was with the Blackhawks. I know he like impressed Q, so that's the reason he made the team. He shouldn't have. He should have been put in the AHL for a little while just to like marinate a little bit um, because he ended up doing really well for a while, but then, you know, crashing like some kids do. And I think Ian Mitchell started out pretty well last season and then he started crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they stuck for, you know, Forsling just never picked himself back up. They put him in the HL and then he got let go. Now he's playing top four and with the Panthers and he looked good last year. Like, I mean, I'm not talking about like, he's like the greatest player ever, but he looked like a competent, confident top four defender. And it's okay to be patient. You don't have to like immediately get rid of these kids when they don't like break out, especially, I mean, it's weird that Bowman likes to jettison them so much when he loves reclamation projects. He loves to go pick up a 24, 25 year old, you know, a 23 to 25 year old. That's like, Oh, maybe they could do well. You know, that's how we got, um, Kalianuk right now. And then that's how we've got Stillman. And that's how we've got Caleb Jones. I mean, <laughs> And who was the guy? There was a, a like a former top ten pick that just got like granted permission to pursue a trade, like Vitaly Kratsov, something like that. Yes, Vitaly yeah. Kratsov. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember how to say his name, but I just saw former top ten pick disgruntled by his own team. So expect him to be on the Blackhawks, probably getting traded for Dylan Strome. Oh. The next, Wait, the well, next what? Huh? Uh, no. Strome. They're going to kill Strom. They already have – the Rangers already have a Strom, too. Well, sibling reunions are a big thing lately, so. Wait, where did you 
Is this so like I a got, thing no, in your brain? No, this, or was, no, this hasn't happened, guys. Sorry. I call no, it, no, no. Right. I mean, is it, it, was it like a rumor or just in your brain? That was just in my head. I'm just throwing yeah, it Yeah, because Dylan Shrub's on the trade bot block. And, and, I, and yeah, whoever, I knew that. I just didn't know. If, I didn't know if it like, could manifest. You made me like freak out for a second. I was going to be like, okay, I don't, I, I would, no. I'm not really super into picking up another <laughs> reclamation project. Well, we're going to trade one for another one because that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and Strom- he'd have to, he'd be, we'd be in the same situation. Cause the whole reason they want to trade Strom is that he is good enough to play in the NHL, but they, he might not be, they don't want him on the roster right now. So if he's sitting, then that's a waste of him and space and everything like that. So they want to get rid of him. Well, this guy comes in, is he going to be, is he going to knock out anybody? It's going to be Strom and Nylander for Krasov. Strom must have hit somebody's Bentley in the parking lot or something. I don't know why they don't like him. Like, what the hell, you know? I can understand why they don't like him specifically for certain things. I just think they've missed that he was misused last year. Like, a lot of them were misused last year. Exactly. Like, in the two previous years, he had 50 point projected seasons. And that's not nothing. That's no, good. <laughs> and it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's second line production. And I'm not saying he could always be a 50 point player, but I just want to say like, what if doc never gets 50 points or like, at least like that's those, those things, those th- three overalls. It's like, what if something bad happens? At least I mean, got that high once. Before. Kane had an MVP year and they were rolling Artem and Nisimov's wide ass out with them. Like, do you think Dylan Strome can't skate with them? Yeah. You I know, mean, it's it's the, the Dylan Trump situation has been confounding for years. And like he was not good last season, but I last season pandemic weird year hard to take any. I, I'm still like withholding any conclusions that might have been made from last year's season for that reason because it was so weird. But um, yeah, the the Strom situation and and they. Pierre LeBron reported today that like the Hawks are open to trading him, which I feel like is at least the 10th time that that has been reported that the Hawks are open to trading him. So, um, yeah. yeah would you say he lives on the trade block? Yeah, that was, he has, he owns real estate on the trade block because that's where they're going to post him for sale on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Craigslist. Like, like lightly used. <laughs> um, oh yeah. We were talking about defense. I was trying to think that there's another, like, you derailed us <laughs> yeah I, it happens a lot we always come back to the forwards i guess they're more interesting to talk about than the defensemen but i again like all right i, I guess this is where we're going to pause and, and zoom out a little bit because again as we we talked about at the top that the hawks seem like they're in a more win now mode and i don't think any of us are calling the hawks cup contenders here but i think for the for several years I know I've been beating the drum of the Hawks have, if they're going to win another cup with this group, they got to do it probably pretty soon because you probably got to do it before Patrick Kane is no longer the Patrick Kane we've been watching for the last 15 years. And it feels like it may not be that far away. I'm just trying. I'm well, he just like, he just set his career high in as a primary assist per 60. Like he, he became a way better playmaker and yes, his goal his goals scoring dipped to last season, but that's because of his shooting percentage, just dropping off the face of the map. Like yeah. he, he is still, I think he is very much past still Patrick Kane and he no, will I, very much be Patrick Kane for a while. He did that no. with a wrist injury, like a lingering injury or whatever. I, well, they might not have said it was wrist, but 
I don't know why I automatically think that, but either way, lingering injury and he still did really well. So the, the main point I'm trying to get here too, is that like, do you guys see this team becoming that good within the next, like, uh, let's go by 2025, which I feel like is a little generous for like, say like maybe Kane starts declining then, and it gets really precipitous in the back half of the decade. Like, like with the with the main pieces that you have in place now that are under all under contract for a pretty good term, like Debrinkets, I he's going to need new paper eventually. But uh, Jake McCabe's not going anywhere. Seth Jones isn't going anywhere. I imagine Taves and Kane are going to get re-upped. I can't envision them going anywhere else. Um, but all these other guys that are going to be around for the next two, three, four seasons, like how good can you see this team being? Well, uh, it depends on how their how the money is used for the next few years. Because what what are the Taves and Kane contracts look like? Yeah, and also you just you said the twenty twenty five season because like yeah, there's like a chance that like half like three fourths of these people aren't here. <laughs> well, you're I, like I you're I, like Seth Jones isn't going anywhere, but like other than Murphy, like Murphy McCabe and um, Seth Jones are still signed in the twenty four twenty five season. Um, but there's not a single forward that's signed. Like okay. obviously well, Debrinkat and Doc will be, but like let's let's reasonably assume Taves Kane, Taves Kane Debrinkit, like Debrinkit gets more money, Taves and Kane get less money because they're gonna be older. It's gonna be huh. 37. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I guess the whole point is like big like do you are you guys optimistic about a long term, like about this team? being potentially a playoff team this season and then being a consistent playoff team for the next three to four seasons and maybe working their way up to cup contention. No, they can't draft and develop. I have no, okay. I, I, I am firmly on the side of long-term. It is best for just to that moment to go now, just so they can get somebody who can draft and develop players. I was about to say, I don't think if they make it past, they have to make it past like this. They have to get to the second round. <laughs> like, this year or next mm-hmm. or or Bowman is gone, which is good for the, maybe good for the org. But I also, I just, it's hard for me to even think because I just don't think past the coaching. Um, and that's maybe not fair, but I just currently have no view of the coach propelling them to that. Um, I think maybe the team could do well, but cer- certain people would have to take huge steps. Doc, Kershev, I think even Kubelik could get better. Um, I, he has gotten better every year, every year. So I think he could be in his like prime during like prime, prime. Um, and then the defense, you know, like, so I, I, it's really hard to predict that far out. Cause I just can't see past who's in charge <laughs> of those types of decisions. What about you, Mel? What, what's your right now? I mean, the other night when Jonathan Taves played damn near 25 minutes in a preseason game, like that tells me <laughs> everything I need to know because no, seriously, like look at how they used Duncan Keith last year. They, the, the coaching staff is I, I, apparently the coaching staff are doing that. I don't know if Bowman has influence on that or not, but it's like, you have to like, like was already said, you have to develop players. You have to be able to draft, but also you have to know how to use them. And I don't think most of these guys are going to be here in a few years. Like, I think this is a quick fix as a, it could be for on ice or off ice reasons, but I think this is like a distraction. Like, Hey, we're going to compete. You know, I don't think that these guys are going to be here long-term aside from maybe to you know, hopefully doc, like those kind of guys. But like, this is a, 
they'd have to do it soon, and that's very difficult. Yeah, it'd have to be like next year. I guess to answer my own question, I think the main thing that I've come around to is that so many things have to go right for them to be like a legitimate contender that it almost feels impossible because it's, it's quite a list of things that need to happen in a positive way for it to work. And uh, I just, I don't know. It, 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 and it, I guess there's a, also a small part of me that's like the Hawks just had uh, three cups in six years and maybe they're just due for some misses for a while. <laughs> so maybe, maybe this is just the market correction from, uh, from how much fun the 2010s were. That only happens in Chicago, though, because good teams usually at least make the playoffs. That's true. I mean, half the league makes the freaking playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, like, look at, like, all these, like, Pittsburgh teams. Like, they won a cup with no defense, even. Um, well, okay. It's <laughs> Brian Dumoulin existed on those teams. I don't, I don't think it's fair to call them no defense. No, no, no. I don't mean, like, they had no – but I'm just saying, like, like all right, counterpoint. Hawks won in 2015 with two pairings. And Seabrook was pretty much on his way towards the bottom. You know, they had Kyle Kaminsky skating in those final <laughs> games, and, and they could, and Runblad and whoever, a TVR with a broken leg, they could still win there. They had the talent, they had the coaching, they had the goaltending. What if Marc Andre Fleury gets hurt? Like, they're screwed. Kevin Lankinen looks like he's going to be solid, but I mean, not like go in a final. Yeah, I mean, not yet. I mean, Cam, Cam Ward won a, fa- won a cup. Yeah, but that was Cam Ward. That was coming out of a lockout, and you know. Yeah, but it's like it's magic. It's like magic could strike. You never know. Like that's it's what it's what it's what Dave was saying. It's like if so many little things have to make sense and have to work and have to just like it has to be kind of like a lightning strike kind of situation. Like is that a pun? Expecting. (laughs) I, I think I would be more optimistic if the last few seasons didn't play out the way they did but i'm just thinking about tomorrow night after the second uh period going into intermission where the hawks are getting out shot 40 to 7 and colleton's giving some kind of goonies never say die speech and it's like you know that's great attitude but you have to like know how to win hockey games in this league like they still have to win games i mean i totally agree <laughs> on that part i just i also it's just so i it's like i go back through through these like shades, like Jekyll and Hyde feeling about this team. Like I really like a lot of the people on it. I'm really excited to see them play. Um, I think they could do something. And then I go, but can they do <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's always a but. You know, well, right. to your point though, I think that's why I'm optimistic or pessimistic about them firing the coach. I think that they have a lot of talent and they're going to hang around. Yeah, that's I guess that was my. My worst. Fear. I, um, so the the good news is, if you want the coach fired, they're also in one of the toughest divisions in hockey. Probably no, not maybe maybe the uh, toughest division in hockey. And five of these teams are going to make it to the playoffs. The that doesn't necessarily guarantee that the Blackhawks are one of those five teams because Dallas is still tough and St. Louis is still tough. I could yeah. see. I mean, I could see the Hawks. Like, I I feel like it's. Uh, like Colorado, St. Louis, and Minnesota seem like they're going to be in. Okay. And, well, okay. The top three are going to be Colorado, Winnipeg, and, and well, okay, Winnipeg. All right. So the top four, in no particular order, Colorado, Colorado, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and Minnesota. 
But I feel optimistic I think, about Dallas because they're healthy. I th- well, I still feel like Dallas was fool's gold from two years ago. And I still like, I feel like that is the team that if the Hawks are going to overtake them, like I think Nashville is going to suck. I think they were the run that they went on last year, saved them from the implosion that they needed to enforce upon themselves. And it's going to come due this year. Uh, Arizona sucks out loud. Uh, and I think if, if they're going to pass a team, they could pass Dallas and sneak into a playoff spot. I, I think it's it's there for them to be taken. Whether or not they do, I'm not impressed by St. Louis. Like I just don't. Last year they were good. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of garbagey. But let me ask let me ask you guys a question: If if uh, Coach Jeremy doesn't get canned early, and they go into a situation late in the spring where they have to win a couple games like they had before, and they lose, and that dictates them missing the playoffs, do you think that cost him his job this year? Or is it like, oh well, we're we're coming? No, I I, I, I do. Yeah, I think I think that I think they have to be a playoff team this year. I really I sincerely don't know if they are. That's because I think you. so too. I think Bowman needs that to keep his job if he can anyway, so he'll blame blame the coach. But it's just like they have shown no accountability. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, and the only position while we're uh, while I'm making a totally not well done segue, uh, I don't have any goalie thoughts. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury seems like one of the most delightful professional athletes that has existed in a while, and I am ecstatic that I get to watch and cheer for him this season. Um, I hope he's just as good as he was last year. We'll see how well he is behind the defense he has to play with, but uh, and he's then I hope playing behind. Some bad defenses in the past, so yeah, I believe. Wasn't well, with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh team, we've been uh, talking about. Let's let's talk about how Vegas was in the bottom ten. Uh, don't you talk? Don't you don't don't you talk? In bad some about models, they were about my golden knights. Don't, don't, talk, don't bad. talk bad about that Vegas quality team quite well. Does it matter? Let me let You only look as they need to when they they work in your favor, eh? It doesn't matter. They were Vegas five. Plays, they Vegas were plays in the AHL division. <laughs> yeah, they they could they could throw their uh, AHL team out there and probably at least make it to the playoffs in that division. Vegas is going to have one hundred and sixty-four points. Last season was a much different season because they had to play seven games against Colorado. Eight, eight uh-huh. games against Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah, you. Got, I feel like uh, uh-huh. they're going to be Sorry. boring until April. <laughs> Uh, good. I just he's he did have to face more harder shots at a larger quantity than usual behind Vegas last yes. year, and it's part of the reason he got the Vesna is because he kind of thrives on some of that a little bit. The problem, of course, is that it also wears him down, which is what happened to him in the playoffs. So it's then like Leonard a, goes in and has a poo poo game. Yeah, so it's it's like you know, Flurry is great he can carry a team to a certain thing, but while he's carrying them, that's hurting him long-term. So it's good. And bad. We need Lincoln in to be good. I, I feel yeah. like flurry should be, I feel like 50 games is the number for flurry. Like try and keep him under 50 or at, or I, uh, then you don't want to do anything in the playoffs. You just want to get to the playoffs. Yeah. I think he should be playing less than that. Well, oh, okay. I, I, I thought I was being generous at 50, but all right, that's fair. I think I think you give all four goalies 20 games. 
<laughs> Let's we finally, finally see. Yeah, we finally see what Colin Delia can do with twenty games. <laughs> hey, what if he's awesome? <laughs> I think you play closer to like twenty thirteen split from Crawford and um, Emery. Sky not 20. quite, not quite as split evenly split, but yeah, play on that. Like the problem we've we said this in the last podcast is that Jeremy likes to play the hot hand. Yes. And that can work against the maintenance. Like that's my, like there's a worry there with like Shay, Shay said earlier, playing Taves too many minutes. Like you did Keith last year. Well, he needs to be maintained better than that. Um, I think the same thing is going to be true of Tyler Johnson. And I think it's going to be true of Patrick Kane. Um, Bring cap. Yeah. You, you can't, you've got, you've got to maintain these guys a little bit better than maybe has been done in the past. And some of the older guys, especially, yeah, you're gonna have to figure that out a little bit better. And Flurry's one of them. So and, and I like we do get a full 82 game season, which like you would think that would stretch the schedule out a little bit, but also the Olympic break kind of compresses it again. So yep. Yeah, yep. and a lot of our top guys are going to be going to the Olympics. Um uh, even if about, let's talk I'm, about I'm, how many how not a lot. Okay, many, a lot is yeah, not great. How, how we and Seth Jones are all going for sure. I think Flurry's going, but he's not going to play very much. Um, Kubalik's going, probably. Um, Kurashev is definitely going. Uh, Borgstrom? Mm, I'm just trying to think of like, he does. like European um, guys that there aren't as many of, I guess. I mean, there's not as many. The, the Finnish team might be kind of, it's very top heavy. Um, like Reichel's probably going to go, even though he's in the AHL. I mean, that's oh, not yeah. going to affect. Um, they love like in like they love him over there. So um, there's a you might play with you might play with Drysidle. Yeah, like there's a, there, there's there a decent go. number. It's just I don't think Tate like if Ta- unless Taves has like a ridiculously great season, but he might decline. Um, he's going to go home, and you know what? He's going to he's going to be chasing the magic dragon. <laughs> I was like, you you know what could be a lot of things. Canada could just ice a million teams. There's just no real yeah. need for him. They should have their own cup. Well, they have, but you know what I mean. Like, they just <laughs> let, leave them out. We need more Europeans, anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, since we were talking Olympic break, let's. Uh, we got we got a few questions. I think we can uh, wrap this up. I don't know if we're gonna have time to get to our food take because I know. Uh, Shepard wants to go watch his Golden Knights uh, welcome the Seattle Kraken to the NHL. So we got a few ones from Twitter. Uh, Jordan Pierce 7 wants to know how much will the back end improve with the offseason acquisitions, specifically with reducing high percentage goal chances? <laughs> Which Sounds like a no from Mill. Betsy, what about you? <laughs> uh, uh, again, I think personnel wise, I think they could do it. <laughs> <laughs> system wise it's the, the latter half of the question. problem i think i think they're going to improve i i think they absolutely will because you have a bunch of guys who've played in the nhl before as opposed to all the youngsters that played last season uh how much it improves is probably going to be underwhelming yeah that, I, that's I, gonna I, jake, work. jake mccabe is very good at or was last season very good at preventing high danger chances uh although again small sample size with only 13 games played like like they they could be better. I again, you're right. The question is how much better. The the, the personnel's better, but I just smarked at the back half of the question because it's like the high danger chances are going to come if they don't 
keep people out of coming straight down Broadway every time. That's all I'm saying. Okay. There you go. Uh, asked and answered. Stephen D. Schrader, who's uh, handles at Schrader Law, looks like he's a lawyer. So in case any of you guys get sued, we have a Twitter follower who can help us out. Without looking and assuming that Strom does not play tomorrow night, uh, guess how many of the top 16 skaters in total minutes from last year's team are playing tomorrow night? Also could be tonight, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So how many guys from that were in the top 16 in terms of time on ice from last season are playing tonight? Playing tomorrow? Tomorrow. When, playing Wednesday. Well, when, when on Wednesday. When this is released. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> let's make a list. Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrincat, Connor Murphy, Calvin DeHaan. Yeah. Like what was, so is it total average game time it's or like a- average, oh. average time on ice and we'll set the bar at 10 games played. And that doesn't Dominic matter. Kubal- okay. Dominic Kubalik. Doc. Doc, I hope Doc was hurt because I'm not. Doc was it, hurt so much. Is it as as an average time it? on ice or total time on ice? Average. Yeah, and if you count ten okay. games or more, he played eighteen. Oh, I was, so it's it Kane to bring it. I'm Murphy, sorry, it says total Doc. minutes. Total minutes. Oh, total minutes. Jeez. So not Doc, not Doc. Oh, okay, so Kane um, to bring it. Murphy, obviously. Kubalik, Dahan, Dahan, Hagel, Kurashev. Yeah, Kurashev. Strom. Strom is well. It? I think Strom is counted out. Okay, Strom's out. Assuming he doesn't seven play. would be my guess. Are we missing anybody else? Seven. I'm I'm, I'm trying to count this up as we're as we're talking. Three. Uh, this is great. Great radio. Are they I don't counting? understand they, why anybody is, cares is about this. Seven <laughs> because seven. because it shows how inconsistent the roster has been year over year. I think, I think yeah. seven. Seven's the number. Seven. Kane, Murphy, yeah. Debrinket, Kubalik, Dahan, Hegel, Kurashev. There you go. Seven. Yeah, look at this. We can do seven out of out of uh, like six, uh, out of all four. Sixteen. Yeah, out of all. Yeah, out of all the skaters. Out of a, out right? of twenty-seven qualifying players, seven. So there's gonna be nine guys in the lineup that didn't make that list. Yeah. There you go. Huh? And then I'm sure I'm sure like the turnovers is similar every every year for the last. Several years yeah. because that's the well, way we're going. I, I feel like we we talked about this once on a podcast last season where we were talking about how what's the last team that you know that had huge, massive, like half the team changed and they went on to do well other than Vegas, you know, being created. Um, like what other team had that many roster changes year over year and then didn't went and did well like it's not tampa or it's not pittsburgh both of them had you know like two years leading up to with like most of their teams stayed the same the abs it's not going to be them um well it's the 2010 blackhawks no they had they had a pretty decent like from 10 to 11 2009 there didn't they 10, 10 to 11 to 12 to 13 I would say uh, the like 2000s Red Wings before the salary cap. That's like the salary cap dictates all this it's, stuff now. It's a little bit of like a, a chicken and egg type of argument because good teams don't change over their roster because they're good. You keep all your players when you're playing well. If you're bad, you get rid of your players. Sure. So, but like, yeah. but like, how many, like the Penguins are a perfect example before they won their back to back cups. They were pretty much just mediocre. 
You know, they were making the playoffs and occasionally getting kind of far, like getting wherever, but not exactly exploding. But then they just magically happened then. And there wasn't a huge big oh. turnover. Between, well, not magically. I'm going to stop using that. They did magically. They added, they added Phil Kessel and Justin Schultz and sure, but Brian like, Dumoulin and Matt Murray. Like coach. a couple of people. Like not like, like maybe, maybe at most a handful of people, not over half the roster. Okay. Conversely, look at how many teams change the coach and then go to the final in the middle yeah. of the season. The Dallas, same St. Penguins Louis, team? <laughs> Penguins. Yeah. yeah. The Blues. So what matters? Yeah. Dallas, Blues, Pittsburgh. It's, so much, it's easier to change one person than it is a bunch of players. And I, I, I think the one thing that I come back to a lot, I, I feel like I come back to this more and more as I get older is that, Sports are just really fucking weird and weird shit happens a lot. Amen. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a lot more random than I, I think, uh, I, I think like the advent of all the additional statistics and analytics and all sports that's coming out. I think people are trying to, I think people are doing a better job of quantifying and making like qualitative statements about what wins and what does not, but these are still human beings there's still a significant amount of variables involved and sometimes shit just works. And sometimes shit just doesn't. That's the most accurate thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that is accurate. (laughs) All right. And there's one more question I wanted to get to before we get out of here. It's from uh, Cameron Lindsay is at WX man cam. He wants to know, I, they want to know, I guess I should say, a uh, player you think could have a breakout season and a player you think could regress. Uh, Shepard, go first. Player for a breakout season and a player for a non-breakout season. Breakout season, Kurashev, only 16 points in his rookie season. He's If, if he's playing with Kubalik and Jonathan Tays, he's on a have way more than that. Um, regress season? Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I think I don't I don't think I don't think there's a way to go up for him, especially again, the Blackhawks, the Golden Knights weren't the usual Golden Knights defense last season. Maybe. Sure. But the they, the Blackhawks defense is going to make that defense look like the 2019-20 defense uh, for Vegas, which is one of the best defenses in the league. He's going to hold a grudge against me. for <laughs> Oh, forever. You doubt my team. I doubt you. Uh my babies, my precious babies, don't like. Yeah, no, it's not. It's all right. Uh, Alex Trangelo, Alex Trangelo didn't become Trangelo until the playoffs. All right, um, all right, and then uh, Betsy, go ahead and tell us why Mark Stone's going to regress this year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> might actually. So um, regression. It's really hard because not that many people did super. Like the only people that did exceptionally great last year were Kane, Debrinket. Flurry, right? <laughs> um, gosh, uh, yeah, I think Flurry might be the only one that can regress. Really, like Kane might regress a little bit um, just because of general age, um, but not like a lot. Like it would be just a tiny bit. Debrinket might regress points wise, but the rest of his game will pick up, maybe ish. Um, and for breakout, I agree. I think Kurishev might have the best chance, but we're also high on him. Um, and I actually think Hagel could do, depending on where he is in the lineup, for some reason, I think he could have like an Andrew Shaw in Montreal kind of season if he's played with the right people. 
Mill, go ahead. So for regression, people may not like this, but I think if Patrick Kane is still playing with a nagging injury and playing a lot of minutes over an 82-game season, he might see some regression. Um, but that's just because of the injury. Uh, that does worry me a little bit. And for breakout season, I got to go with uh, Dave and my new guy, Adam Gaudet. Let's go! Who's, who's you know, <laughs> I'm going with the over on 8.5 goals, baby. <laughs> Get nine out of this guy this year. Gaudet do it. gang. Yes. That's my guy. <laughs> um, well, I... I I don't want to pick Adam Goddard as well because because uh, I've obviously made my uh, plan of my flag on that one as well. Um, I had another player, and as I was scrolling through the roster, I saw oh you know what Kirby Doc is going to be the breakout. I, Let's I think go. I think Doc's going to do it. I, I like I'm I'm trying to put aside the pessimism. I think there's I think there's a good talent there, and I think he's going to do it this year. And I, I'm the regression and. Dominic Kubalik, I feel like there's going to be. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I feel like he's just going to be maybe more eh, this year than. Uh, he was eh, last year. He's nowhere to go up, uh, but up. Yeah, I with, was like Taves back. Well, I, on his line. Yeah, I, I, like it's, to, to Betsy's point, like there was a lot of guys that uh, it's hard to find people to regress from last season because there was a lot of regression across the board in general. So. Um, yeah, there's not, there's not that many players to go down from last year. <laughs> yeah, um, that, I guess, I guess, I don't know. There's just, yeah, but you're just that you're wrong with Google League again. That's if, fine. If he's got Taves, if he's, if he's got Taves back, then he's gonna be great again. That's, he's gonna, that's, get, like, he's it, gonna it, get back to 30 goals. He's it wouldn't be, be the first time I've been right. wrong, and it would certainly not be the last. <laughs> I, I encourage all the hate mail from, uh, from all the dominant Kubalik fans out there. Um, so Dominic Kubalik bandwagon, let's go. Roll You're going to get like 50 yeah. letters from Shepard. Okay. You need a fancy so, alliteration for your Kubalik thing. So Shay and I will be the Kubalik bandwagon and you guys can be the Godet gang and we'll see who comes out on top. Because Godet gang for that's, life, baby. That's I'm not exactly fair be because of one, one of those guys. Hey, that's who you chose. Life. No, 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 no. That's who you chose. That's who you chose. I, yeah. <laughs> all right. Watch Kubalik go down tomorrow. Kubelik. I swear, to, if Godet scores fifty points, I'm going to be the most obnoxious person. <laughs> and you'll have the right. We'll accept it graciously. <laughs> will you? I mean, <laughs> I'll try. I will make sure you don't accept it graciously. <laughs> That's how obnoxious I will be. <laughs> All right. I uh, just asked for I, nine goals. could totally so rational with his with his. Yeah, I know. He's like, look, my my going up is he might get to. Nine. Look, as, as pessimistic as I am, it's, it's only because I care. <laughs> I mean, here, here, I guess like it's, it's, it's Adam Goodett's, uh We'll set a new career high in points. He's at 33 right now. We could do that. 35. All right. Here, 35 with 26 assists. All here, right. Let's do, let's do this more. This is, I, maybe this is how we'll decide this. Either, it's either more points by Goddett or more goals by Kubalik. I feel like that's a good, that number could be about the same. 
Yeah, depending on who's who's because if if Taves and Kubalik and Kurishev are together, I mean they're all going to get some. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, Kubalik's going to get top line minutes, and Goddard's probably going to be down on the fourth. So I feel like that's a more maybe maybe Goddard up to the third until he ends the season on the first line. But the overtime goal counts for two points on the sports book. <laughs> We're going to handicap this so well for ourselves. Yeah, you guys don't mess with me. That's all I do. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm locking this in. We're going to do this. We'll, we'll revisit this uh, at the half, uh, throughout the season. I'm and then we're taking Goddad out for Greek food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So before we get out of here, I want to do just real quick, yes or no, everyone in the group. Uh, we'll go I left to right as I'm looking at it on my screen. Blackhawks, a playoff team this season. Betsy, yes or no? Yes, wild card. Shepard. No. Mill. Uh, I'm gonna flip my switch and I'm gonna say yes on the back of the fourth line. God that game. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna I'm, get this playoff spot. Let's do it. Kirby Doc's turning it on. I'm also gonna throw myself in as a yes. So we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, any other Dude, thoughts? Tequila like- shooters or Colleton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun, actually. I, I bet he'd be fun to drink with. Oh, I'm um, sure. And and does anybody else have any burning thoughts from around the league or anything hockey related in general before we get out of here? I just got one little with the President's Cup, baby. Mine is just that I'm really glad to hear the ESPN hockey song. You and everybody else on Twitter. That is it all I saw there. from from six o'clock to six thirty. That is the only tweet I saw. You got me nostalgic, Dave. I was going to dig out my PS2 and listen to some Sum 41. Oh, nevertheless, I'm just for the occasion. Yeah. Uh, it's Betsy, the middle 182, hockey- <laughs> and here's the situation. <laughs> Bessie, do you have any other hockey things you wanted to say before we uh, put a bow on all this? Uh, no, just... <sighs> How do you... So, in the East, um, do you think... In the Atlantic, like the Atlantic, do you think that um, the Bruins are going to be able to do what they've continued to do now that, oh my God, Krejcik's gone? Um, define what, what? What do you mean by like so, be good? <laughs> yeah, be good. So you know how Always. people keep comparing the Blackhawks' cores with the Penguins, the Caps. And the Bruins, because they're all con- like semi the same age. And like, I think the Caps are not going to be good this year. The Pens core is pretty hurt this year. And then the Bruins are starting to trickle, like their stuff is coming down too. But people kept going, why can't the Blackhawks be like the Bruins? Even though the Bruins haven't won anything since 2011. And I'm like, I think they're getting to the age where maybe the Bruins won't be good again. But I don't totally know. You dare doubt the, the majesty that is the perfection line? Oh, I love Pasternak and I love Vergeron, but and you and you love Marshawn. No, no, and I, lo- I love McAvoy. So I like. I just it's an interesting proposal because again, a lot of Hawks fans kept pointing to the Bruins as maybe we could be them again, and it's like, well, they haven't done anything. So is this their year? Are they starting to trickle down, or have they done a better job? I'm cer- I certainly have significant questions about their goalie situation because yeah. Tuka Rask, like, I guess he's said he's only playing with Boston, but he's not under contract. So I don't know what the hell. I haven't seen anything about that situation in a while. Um, uh, I kind of trust Olmark because he was 
good with the Buffalo Sabres. Not great, but good with the Buffalo Sabres, which means he could be great with an actual defense. That's fair. Um, I guess maybe this is the year they lose in the first round. I feel like they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Barring significant injuries to multiple key guys, I think they'll be in the playoffs. But I could see this being a year that maybe they end up in the three or four seed and and get knocked out in the first round. Although that may require the Toronto Maple Leafs doing something. So, no, you know what? Fuck it. Toronto's going to ruin it for everyone. And Boston will make it to the second round again because Toronto sucks. You know what, though? Boston, uh, I think they're going to be kind of shitty, actually. But uh, going back to Pittsburgh and their core being hurt, them and like a 70-year-old Jeff Carter hung six on the lightning tonight. So, (laughs) I mean, like, I think they'll be okay once their guys come back. Not great, but I think they'll be okay. Well, you got to trust Sullivan. He's a great coach. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the, I guess, the idea. (laughs) Because everybody looks way less good without Sidney Crosby next to them. (laughs) Yeah, just ask Chris Kunitz. Oh, dude. Well, we got him here when he was like 101. So, and I think he's now an assistant with the Hawks, right? Isn't he he's doing, still here? Yeah, he's he's doing something with the organization. Good All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this year' episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, I know Chef's got to get back to his uh, his, his Vegas boys or uh, skating or, or playing against the. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see the 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 show they did before this game with uh yeah, it was awesome. a golden knight fighting a kraken. And I, I want to go see a game in Vegas. This it looks very Vegas and just ridiculous and over the top, and it looks like something that's worth going to see. Um so yeah, that's I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh you know where to find us all. I'm at SCH underscore Dave M. Mill is at Mill182, Shepherd's at Shepherd Price, Betsy's not on Twitter. But her stuff is at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. That's where you can find all of our stuff. We have a shit ton of preview contents already at the site. There's more coming on Wednesday. If you're uh, reading this or listening to this podcast, there you can go back to the website right now, and there's probably even more stuff there for you to read. Um, then we'll have our usual previews, recaps, the games all season long. You can follow along with the games at 2ND City Hockey on Twitter. Uh, we'll have game threads up so you can people can hop in and talk the games with us and everyone else in the community. Um, and we're hopefully, like, hopefully throughout the course of the season, we can get more people. We're happy to answer questions. Uh, so hop in the comments, ask us some questions. We'll discuss them on the pod. We'll be down there talking ourselves as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And one thing I forgot to mention as we were talking about all these hockey things, uh, from being at that White Sox game Sunday night with 40,000 people losing their goddamn minds for four and a half hours, I am so excited for hockey with full stadiums again. Uh, cause the, I don't think I realized how much I missed fans and fan atmosphere for sports until going to that game. So, so that's going to be pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, I think that'll do it for Betsy, for Shepard, for Mill. Thanks to all of you guys for hanging out. Thanks to you. Thanks to you for listening. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen this season, but we have to end this the same way we always do. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs>